I got a question tonight that somebody submitted, and I want to get your thoughts on this before we get too far into it. The question that was given to me, go ahead and throw that up there, Mr. Billy. What does the Bible say about homosexuality? It's gay, literally. Okay, wait, wait, hold on, hold on, hold on, wait, wait. If if you'd like to say something, raise your hand, don't just shout it out. I want to hear, share with the group what's your thought, what the Bible says about homosexuality. Drew. God made Adam and Eve, not Adam and Steve, okay? It's an abomination. She's like quoting right there, okay? Anybody else? Let me ask you this. Do you have something, Kevin? Maybe, maybe you're saying <laughs> I have a friend. So you're you're basically saying maybe there's people who have homosexual thoughts, but that doesn't mean they actually act on those thoughts. Okay. All right. Well, you know what? Hey, what you guys have said, what most of y'all have said, we're actually gonna we're gonna touch on tonight because the Bible does talk about homosexuality. Now, I will say this. When the Bible talks about homosexuality, and you can look it up for yourself, but every time it talks about it, it doesn't talk about the idea of thoughts. It actually talks about acting on those thoughts. It's not just saying, hey, somebody's gay. It's saying, hey, somebody is homosexual, and they're acting out that lifestyle. That's the way Scripture addresses it. So keep that in mind as, as we go through some of this. But I want to look at what Scripture says, and we need to understand that this, this is a topic that a lot of churches, a lot of churches won't talk about it, because it's a very sensitive topic. It is a very controversial topic, and some pastors just don't want to get involved with that. But the truth of it is, it's in Scripture, and it's something that we see on a daily basis. Maybe you don't actually see a gay couple but you know what? It's on TV. You hear about it. You, it's not new, exactly. Homosexuality is not new. Thank you for telling me that one. I appreciate it. It's not. It's something that has been around for a long, long time. In fact, if you look at Scripture, it shows up in the first book of the Bible. In Genesis 19, like Savannah was alluding to over there. You've got these two angels that come into this city it's called Sodom. And when they come into this city, Lot comes out, this man that lives in the city with his family, comes out and talks to the angels and tells them to come stay the night in his house. And the angels, they've decided they're going to sleep in the the square, in the open, where everybody else can see them. And Lot begs them and says, no, please, 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 don't sleep out here. Come into my house. We'll cook you a meal. We'll give you somewhere to stay, but don't sleep out here in the open tonight. And not long after that is why we find, we find out why Lot was so adamant that they come stay with him. It picks up in Genesis chapter 19 verse 4. It says, but before they lay down, the men of the city, the men of Sodom, both young and old, all the people to the last man surrounded the house. Every single male in that city surrounded this house. And it says in verse 5, And they called to Lot, Where are the men who came to you tonight? Bring them out to us that we may know them. And that does, doesn't mean, Hey, how you doing? My name's Paul. That's not what that means. That means they want to physically know them. You can fill in the, fill in the gaps there. It says, Lot went out to the men at the entrance, 
shut the door after him and said, I beg you, my brothers, do not act so wickedly. Behold, and this is where he becomes a coward, I have two daughters who have not known any man. Let me bring them out to you and do to them as you please. Yeah, uh, that's a that's a champion dad right there, isn't it? Only do nothing to these men, for they have come under the shelter of my roof. But they said, stand back. And they said, this fellow came to sojourn, and he has become the judge. Now we will deal worse with you than with them. Then they pressed hard against the man Lot and drew near to break the door down. They, they're serious about this. They're about to tear this man's door down to get to these strangers in his house. They're a little desperate. But the men reached, in, reached out with their hands and brought Lot into the house with them and shut the door. And they struck with blindness the men who were at the entrance of the house, both small and great, so, they, so that they wore themselves out groping for the door. You see, the men in this city, and it tells us young and old, every man in this city came to Lot's house because they wanted to know these two strangers. They wanted to have sex with them. It's nasty. It sounds kind of gross. But that's what's going on. That's what these guys were, were trying to do. Now, Lot takes the cowardly approach and says, oh, no, 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 don't touch these guys, but have my daughters. Guys... Never is that okay. Just understand that, okay? Don't ever do that to your daughters. But that's what Lot does. But these men, they, they are determined to get into Lot's house and to have these men. You see, we see this in the first book of the Bible in Genesis 19. This idea of homosexuality, it's nothing new. It's not something that should, so should surprise us. A lot of times we act kind of shocked and we act kind of grossed out. When we hear or see things like that. But in truth, it's not anything that should surprise us. That doesn't mean you're not going to react to it. But it shouldn't surprise you when you see it or you hear about it. Because it's been around for so stinking long. And it's amazing to me that when we see homosexuality or, or we hear about it, how quickly we have been able to take what God gave us and what God designed and turn it into something that he never intended. Because that's what homosexuality is. It's just that. It's homosexuality is it's not God's design. Now you made the comment over here, he made Adam and Eve, not Adam and Steve. Well, that's true. That's exactly what God did. If you go all the way back to the Garden of Eden, you see a man and a woman created. God created a man, and he said it was not good for him to not have a helper. So he created Eve to be a helper, to be a soulmate, to be a partner, to be someone to work in the garden with him. He created man and woman, husband and wife. But as a society, we've taken those gifts of that relationship and that intimacy and even the gift of sex that God has given, and we've twisted those things. And when we twist things like that, we get things like homosexuality. Because we are very good at taking things and messing them up. That's just a fact of the matter. I don't know how many times where I've gotten, you know, some kind of toy for one of the kids or something Kathleen's asked me to, to put together in the house, and I'll look at the instructions and I just kind of toss them away and go to town and start building these things. I can tell you how many times I've had to go back and take things apart and start over and redo it because I didn't follow the instructions and I messed it up. 
That's the same thing we've done with God's Word. We as a society for so long have not looked at what God's Word says and not followed the instructions and the blueprint and the plans He gave us for the family and how the family's supposed to work that we've taken those things He's given us and we've kind of balled them up and thrown away the instructions and now we've got things like homosexuality. Things that God never intended. And that's when we run into problems. You see, just a second, I want to I want to read you guys the way God actually designed relationships to be between male and female. It's in Genesis chapter 2, and some of y'all are probably very familiar with this. Starting in verse 18, it says, Then the Lord God said, It is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. Now out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every bird of the heavens and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called every living creature, that was its name. The man gave names to all the livestock and to the birds of the heavens and to every beast of the field. But for Adam there was not found a helper fit for him. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man. And while he slept, took one of his ribs and closed up its place with flesh. And the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man he made into a woman and brought her to the man. Then the man said, This is at last bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. You see, God's plan is for a man and a woman to be in a relationship. That's the way he created it. He didn't make a second woman and say, hey, Adam, go pick. No, he made one. He didn't make a second man and say, hey, Eve, whichever one you want, that's yours. No, he made one. He made one man and one woman for that intimate relationship. Because whether we realize it or not, the marriage relationship, it's a reflection of who God is. God is in relationship. God the Father, Jesus the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Three and one, they're in relationship. The marriage relationship reflects that image. When it says we're created in the image of God, that's part of the way we reflect that image. But you see, we take that image and we distort it. And that's exactly what's going on when we talk about something like homosexuality. It offers a lifestyle that many people will compare to a husband and to a wife. But that's not God's design for the family. The family is the basic building block of society. Husband, wife, children. When that starts to break down, so does the society. And I'm not just saying that because I think it sounds good. You can look at history. You can look at societies. And as you start to see the downfall of the family unit, you start to see the downfall of that society. That's why homosexuality is something that we need to be informed about. We need to know about. We don't need to just shy away and say, ooh, that's gross. We need to know what Scripture actually says so that when we encounter it, we can bring Scripture to the forefront. We can bring God's truth and God's Word and interact with those individuals, interact with that culture and that society that tells us this is okay when Scripture clearly tells us that's not. God's plan, God's design is the family unit. He spells that out in Deuteronomy chapter 6. Here's what he says. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. 
And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. God's plan is for family to be centered around him. And the problem we have is when we get into distorting the family relationship and we get into homosexual relationships, all of a sudden you've got families that are operating outside of God's design. Because you've probably heard of cases where homosexual couples have adopted children. Now understand this. I'm not saying that homosexuals can't adopt. I'm I'm not saying that they can't raise children. I'm not saying that they can't even teach children what the Bible says. Because it's possible. But at some point, when they're teaching their children what the Bible says, because I've heard people say, well, you know, I know people who are homosexual and they're Christian and they're raising kids. At what point in raising those children and trying to teach them what the Bible says, do you have to distort Scripture when you get to the part about homosexuality? You see, very quickly you run into a problem. And that's what it takes. That's what's already starting to happen. How many of you have ever heard of the Queen James Bible? You've heard of it? There is a Bible you can buy now. You've heard of it too? There's a Bible. It's called the Queen James Bible. And the reason it's named that is because the King James Bible was commissioned by King James I. And it is rumored, supposedly well known, that while he was married, he also had homosexual relationships. To the point that he was known in some circles as Queen James. So what this group has done, this Bible that has been edited by anonymous editors, because you can't find out who actually did it. What they have done is they have created this Bible, and it's called the Queen James Bible. And they have gone through scripture, and every reference to homosexuality, they have changed the wording ever so slightly So that they say when you interpret it the way we've worded it, it's no longer talking about homosexuality being a sin. It's talking about some of these other issues that revolve around it, but not actually homosexuality. Yeah, wow. We've got an entire group that has taken and twisted scripture so that it's okay to sin. That's what you got to be careful of when we start changing what God's design is and what God has, has put in place. When we start messing with that, we've got a problem. Because if you can take Scripture and you can change the wording just a little bit to say what you want it to say, then you can no longer say that Scripture is authoritative. You can no longer say that it is truth. Because now it says what I want it to say, not what God wanted it to say. We've got to be careful when we go down that road. I just wanted you guys to be aware that that's out there. You may see it, you may hear about it, but it's there. Yes, Miss Bethany. And the editors of this book, Queen James Bible, will tell you that that pertained to the book of Revelation only. It says it on their website. You, go, you can go to their website and you can see every explanation for every change they've made in detail. And it's scary. It really is. 
That's not God's design. That's not the family that he instituted. When we look at God's word, when we see his design, it's pretty clear that homosexuality is a sin. It's very clear that homosexuality is a sin. In fact, as you get into the book of Leviticus, when you get into the the laws that God gave his people, he specifically speaks to that. I know that's not a popular view with a lot of people that, oh, homosexuality is a sin. How do you have the right to judge me? I'm not. God's word is. Because that's what it says. In Leviticus chapter 18, verse 22, it says this, You shall not lie with a male as with a woman. It is an abomination. Pretty clear, right? How about this one? Leviticus 20:13. If a man lies with a male as with a woman, both of them have committed an abomination. They shall surely be put to death. Their blood is upon them. God's penalty for homosexual activity was death. Sounds pretty harsh, doesn't it? But you know what? As you continue to read that passage where you find that verse, if you read Leviticus chapter 20 verses 10 through 20, you will see that there is just a list of different activities that warranted the penalty of death. Let me tell you some of them. In the Old Testament, not just there, but even throughout the Old Testament, you'll find this. (laughs) Murder, attacking or cursing at a parent, warranted death in Leviticus. Kidnapping, failure to confine a dangerous animal resulting in someone's death, witchcraft and sorcery, sex with an animal, doing work on the Sabbath, incest, adultery, prostitution by a priest's daughter, blasphemy, false prophecy, perjury in capital cases, and false claim of a woman's virginity at the time of marriage. Every single one of those Can't answer that one. I don't know how they figured that out. But you know what? Hey, in Scripture, every single one of those in the Old Testament was punishable by death. You see, I think that shows that God takes sin pretty seriously. Because every single one of those, while we may look at it and say, well, is that really a big deal? Well, it is to God. To God, it's sin. And sin is sin. What we see with this specific sin of homosexuality, it's just as serious as any other sin. Yes, ma'am. I I can't tell you specifics because I don't know. But we do know that they didn't believe in the God of Israel. They didn't believe in the Hebrews God as they would have called them. So they wouldn't have known that to be a problem. And so scripture talks about the idea that, that we're given the law And because of the law, because of God's word, it's what makes us aware of our sin. If you and I had never read the Bible, then some of the things that we would think are okay, clearly in God's word, say they're sin, but we wouldn't know that because we would have never seen that. It's not until we come face to face with the truth of Scripture that we can understand, oh my goodness, that's not okay. Those things I've been doing, those things I've been thinking, that's not what God wanted. And that's the way it is with homosexuality. What we have to remember, guys, if we say homosexuality is a sin, we need to remember that to God, every sin is a sin. We put levels on things. We grade things. This one's worse than this one. This one's not quite as bad as that other one. But you know what? It's all sin to God. Every single bit of it. 
And we know that God is the one who created everything. He created everything good. He is the creator of everything. And what he made was good. It's men and women that messed it up. It's the sin. It's the problem that we have. I'll just say this. When we talk about sex, sex is a beautiful thing. It's what God created in the context of a marriage relationship. When you take it outside of that relationship, there's regret. There's consequences, physical, emotional. There's all kinds of things that go wrong because it's not what God planned. That's why we have to pay attention to what God's design was. Yes, ma'am. How would you not know? I mean, I've, I, I remember a news story. Hey, I remember a news story a couple years ago where a gentleman found out his, his wife that he had been married to for like 30-something years found out it was really a guy. And my first question is, how do you not know? I don't know. I've never, I've never encountered a transgender person in that way, so I couldn't tell you. I have no idea. That's a good, that's a good question. I don't know. I don't know what that would be like. But we do know that it's not God's design. Guys, the sin of homosexuality is no different than the sin of going out and getting drunk. Scripture says don't be drunk with wine, be drunk with the Holy Spirit. That's what it says. So we need to understand that. Sin to God is sin, but homosexuality falls into that camp. With different sins, yes, there may be different consequences. I can go out and rob a bank and go to the grocery store and steal a candy bar. They're both stealing, right? Right? But you better believe there's going to be different consequences if I get caught doing either one of those. And that's what we need to understand. That while we judge things through our eyes, while we see different consequences for different sins, God sees sin. And the spiritual consequence for sin doesn't change no matter what that sin is. It separates us from God. Whether it's homosexuality, whether it's lying, whether it's stealing, whether it's adultery, whether it's any one of these things that Scripture tells us is not God's plan for our life, every bit of it separates us from God. Paul specifically talks about the sin of homosexuality in Romans. Here's what he says in Romans chapter 1. Therefore God gave them up in the lusts of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. For this reason, God gave them up to dishonorable passions, for their women exchanged natural relations for those that are contrary to Scripture. And the men likewise gave up natural relations with women and were consumed with passion for one another, men committing shameless acts with men and receiving in themselves the due penalty for their error. The scripture calls homosexuality a lie because that's what it is. Because we live in a society that will do its best to convince you that as long as you love somebody, it doesn't matter what color they are, what race they are, what gender they are, as long as you love them, it's okay. But you know what? <laughs> when it comes to gender, it does matter. 
because God's word says it matters. This alternative lifestyle, it's a lie. It's a lie from Satan. When we start believing that, we stop believing God. And we stop believing his truth. And when we start believing those lies, we start making up the rules and don't pay attention to God's. And that sin separates us from God. It tells us in Isaiah 59, God can't even hear it. It says, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, or his ear dull that it cannot hear. That means God can hear and save anybody he chooses to. Anybody he chooses to. Even if you're gay, homosexual, bisexual, transgender, whatever camp you might fall into, you're not too far that God can't do something. But it also says in verse 2, But your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you, so that he does not hear. The reason is that God can't look upon sin. That's why Jesus Christ had to come. Because you and I, because of the sin in our lives, whatever that sin may be, separates us from God. He is good. He is holy. He is perfect. He is everything that sin is not. And when we sin, it separates it from separates us from him. That's why he sent Jesus Christ. That's why Jesus Christ died on the cross. And uh, it, it amazes me that, that God feels that way about us. That no matter what we do, no matter what our sin is, no matter what our issue is, God loves us so much that he looks at us and says, I still love you and I still want a relationship with you. And here we go. I'm, I'm going to let my son die for you. That's how bad I want to know you. That's the God that wrote this book. That's the God that loves us more than anything. That's the God that wants a relationship with us. And that means that there is hope for every single person, gay, straight, homosexual, heterosexual, there's hope for all of us. So what do we do with all this? We know what scripture says about homosexuality. It's a sin. Sin separates us from God. It's not God's design. What do we do with it? Let me tell you this. If you haven't already, at some point in your life, you're going to meet someone that's gay. I, I can promise you it will happen. Whether you realize it or not, you're going to. How do you interact with that person? What do you do? I hear a lot of mumbling. I want to hear what you're saying. Just leave the situation. <laughs> so you're saying you're attractive. Is that what you're telling us here? <laughs> you're, you're dressed pretty nice. I'll give you that one. Okay. Hey, y'all, y'all show some respect. Do me a favor. Okay, so still treat him with respect. Okay, Grayson. Well, for starters, I would never do that by myself. Guy or girl, I wouldn't. I wouldn't confront someone in that situation alone. Simply, simply, and and this is this is not a because they're homosexual. This is a safety thing that as an adult. I'm not going to be alone with somebody like that. So I wouldn't do that by myself. I don't know if that's the answer you're looking for, but. <laughs> well, hey, 
you've you've got you've got some good responses, guys. Because un- understand this: if we know homosexuality is a sin and we know it's not God's design, we need to remember that God can forgive any sin. Nobody is beyond God unless they've just hardened their heart and they're not going to have anything to do with Him. God can forgive anybody. That's what John 3.16, you know this verse. For God so loved the world, the world, that anyone who believes in Him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Gay, straight, transgender, bisexual, drunk, thief, alcoholic, abuser, adulterer, any sin God can forgive. And we've got to remember that. Now, I will tell you this. Stand firm in what you know Scripture to say to be the truth. You know what Scripture says about that sin and and other sins as well. And if you find yourself in a situation where you meet someone who's homosexual or you're spending time around them, be true to Scripture. Let them know what God's Word says about it. Do it in love. Don't just say, you're gay and you're going to hell. Don't do that. You see, we laugh, and you know what? There's times, and I say this because I'm, I'm, I've seen it in this group, where we make jokes about it, where you'll act like you're gay, where you'll change your voice for whatever reason because you think that's what a homosexual person sounds like, or you put your arm around the guy next to you. When you joke about it, it's not funny when it happens for real. And it's not funny because at that point, you're not showing love the way God shows love. You're not showing them who Christ is by ridiculing them, by making fun of them. We've got to stand true to Scripture, but we've got to show love like God showed love. And to remember that their sin is just a sin like it. Their sin is no worse than some of the sins you and I have committed. It's not. Stand true to Scripture. Stand firm. You've heard the phrase, hate the sin, love the sinner. And yes, at some point, as Madison said, you do follow what Scripture says. At some point, you let them know you're there. You let them know they'll talk to you if they want to. But you're not going to keep shoving it down their throat as far as what Scripture says. You're going to let them come to you if God convicts them of that. That's what Scripture says about homosexuality. It's not funny when you're in the situation. And it is awkward. And you know what? You may find yourself in that situation one day. Don't ridicule people. Whether it's because they're gay, whether it's because they don't look like you, or maybe they're handicapped, or they wear glasses, or they got big ears, they're a little slow, or whatever the reason be. Hey, I'm serious. Show the love of Christ to people. Because that's what we're called to do. Let's pray. God, again, we thank you for who you are. We thank you, God, that that we can look at your word and we can know how you designed us. God, what your intent was and and how to interact with with those who would tell us that, that anything else is possible and anything else is okay. And God, I pray that as we talk about this issue of homosexuality, um, God, it is something that we joke about sometimes. It's something that that uh, we we don't react rightly to a lot of times. God, I pray that you will help us just to remember that, that this is not your design, God. But at the same time, you've called us to show love. 
You've called us to stand firm in your truth, but to do that in love. And God, I pray that you would help each and every one of us to have that heart and have that attitude as we encounter this issue throughout our lives. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. Thank you guys for coming. Y'all have a great night.